What's up, everybody? This is the BTF Podcast, Brokenness to Faith. We're going to hit you up mm. with some real stuff. We're going to hit you up with verses, scripture, and we are going to get it right. This ain't two Corinthians. This ain't people who act like they know about the Bible. We are going to hit you with some scholarly scholarly thoughts. Hey, I'm not an English major, okay? <laughs> I just came from work. No can attest by looking at my hands. Yeah, that's right. I train, I work hard. I'm not going to say what I said when in the last edit, but we're going to be talking about something before we do. Um, you can check us out on Instagram. I honestly don't care anymore. We don't check it, but brokenness to faith. If you want to be cool and follow us, one day we might. It's there just so we can say we have it at this point. Honestly, for those of you who listen and know what Instagram is, if you were to even see my personal profile, I post like, once every billion months. I think I last my my last post was like 2017. <laughs> but I follow like a bazillion people because I just like seeing all the politics, seeing all the SpongeBob memes. There you go. And seeing all the pasta and pizza pics, um, and burritos. But nowadays people are getting weird with their burritos and putting and putting a bunch of stuff in there. And you got like I've seen this thing where it's like a pizza, right? Right. But like they have the dough. And then what they do is they take like 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 a half a circle of it and they put like a bunch of cheese and a bunch of pile on cheese and ricotta cheese maybe some pepperoni and then they they like put some dough over it and they they they, they like fold it over so then that part's like a calzone and then the rest of it they put the sauce the cheese the pepperoni and that part's a pizza and then when it comes out they like cut around the calzone it's like you're getting a pizza and a calzone like People, today's generation, man, they they getting too wild. For Doing me. too much. Like, light cheese, extra sauce, that's the way I'll go. But other people, man, like, no, you need these 10 toppings. And right. I've seen burritos where they're putting, like, hot Cheetos in them. And I'm like, you people are going to die. I thought, I thought French fries and burritos was a little much. Well, that's that's a California right. burrito. That seems a little much to me. Yeah, but not as now, bad as hot even, Cheetos. Right. And it's like... Today's generation, fifteen-year-olds are going to die before before I am, and I'm thirty. So, <laughs> well, that's the episode. That's our. That's all right. It for yeah. Us. Thank you, guys. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, and we're going to get into it. We're going to be talking about the be attitudes, be attitudes, be attitudes. Matthew five, New International Version. Don't worry. Every time we say we're going to go short, we don't. Well, this time we got a game plan. We're going to go over the first three Beatitudes, and I'm going to read the beginning, and then I'm going to read the Beatitudes. Let's get it. NIV version. Let's go. Chapter 5 of the book of Matthew. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. There's a bunch. There's there's more, and, and later on in the chapter, maybe we'll do it in a few episodes, Salt and Light, and there's some good stuff there. But the three, first three Beatitudes, if you're listening, I don't know if you caught them. First one is poor in spirit. Um, second one is for those who mourn. And the third one is um, blessed are the meek. Hmm. So... Um, 
So let's, let's let's dissect. I'll do the intro really quick, and then we'll get some opening thoughts for you, Noah. Sure. I'll do the intro, and then the first, my thought on the first beatitude. But and seeing the multitude. So Jesus, uh, in the in the previous, in the, before this passage, uh, mentions that there are great multitudes that were following him, following Jesus, and they were coming from many different regions. You can check that out, even Matthew four twenty five. In response to all this, with the multitudes following him, what did it say? And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. So it is wrong to think, I'm reading this from, I found this online, I think it's good. It is wrong to think that Jesus went up on a mountain to remove himself from the multitudes. It is true that Jesus gave this teaching to his disciples, but this use of the term is probably broad, including many among the great multitudes that followed him, mentioned in Matthew 4.25. By the end of the Sermon on the Mount, people in general heard his messages and were amazed. So, um, here we go. And then when it says, when he was seated, what, did, what does that do with anything? This was like a common thing back in the day. We think right. of today, you know, the speaker, whether it be motivational speaking, preaching, or if you're in the right church, that's probably both because you're in a bad <laughs> church. That person's standing. Right. They might even be walking around. Whereas you're sitting. Back in Bible times, um, a more correct way was the teacher was sitting somewhere. Right. And the people were standing. And uh, it even says, sitting was the accepted posture of synagogue or school teachers. You can look that up in Luke 4.20, Matthew 13.2, 23.2, 24.3. Um, now in Matthew's record, Jesus will speak and teach. It is God speaking, but no longer through an inspired human personality like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Samuel. Now the truth of God spoke to the, spoke to the exact personality of God. Mm. Um, and then it, later on it says his disciples came to him. This again probably has in mind a group much larger than the twelve, who to this point have not been introduced as a group in this gospel. So then we get into the next part. Jesus begins to teach, right? He opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So Jesus is using his voice. He's not just showing it through actions like he did on the cross, things like that. He's using his voice and he's projecting his thoughts. He's projecting um, his his honesty and what he believes the gospel is. And um, and it says he taught them. So he wasn't just giving some opinion. He was teaching them what the gospel was and things of the gospel. Um, and I like this. Yet we also regard this as Jesus training the disciples and the message he wanted them to carry to others. It was his message meant to be passed on to and through them. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew shows us Jesus instructing his disciples in the message, which was his, and which they were to take to men. In the Gospel of Luke, the material similar to the Sermon on the Mount comes immediately after Jesus chose the twelve. So what he is saying here isn't just a lesson that he wanted just to show us. It was something he wanted us to take with us. It was something he wanted us to use in us to show it so we can bring it to other people. He wanted it to go through us and to use it so we can bring it to other people. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Um, the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Um, the idea behind the ancient Greek word for blessed is happy. But in the truest godly sense of the word... Not in our modern sense of merely being comfortable or entertained at the moment. 
This same word for blessed, which in some sense means happy, is applied to God in 1 Timothy 1.11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Mm. Uh, Makarios, that describes that joy which has its secret within itself, that joy which is serene and untouchable and self-contained, that joy which is completely independent of all the chances and changes of life. That was by uh, Barclay. Um, so we are called to be poor in spirit. What does the actual poor in spirit mean? This is not a man's confession that he is by nature insignificant or personally without value, for that would be untrue. Instead, it is a confession that he is sinful and rebellious and utterly without moral virtues, adequate to condemn him to God. The poor in spirit recognize that they have no spiritual access. assets. I know that I talk about spiritual points, but in reality... <laughs> We, 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 we points. <laughs> the poor in spirit recognize we have no spiritual assets. Right. They know that we are spiritually bankrupt. We might say that the ancient Greek had a word for the working poor and a word for the truly poor. Jesus used the word for the truly poor here and indicates someone who must beg for whatever they have or get. You see, if we are to be poor in spirit, we need to act like that, that which has nothing. Not these preachers and sneakers, the, these, these preachers out there, that, that have all these nice things and tell you can have nice things too or vaguely quote scripture and they're totally off center. We are to recognize that every day we need to pretend, not even pretend, but yeah, we have a house in America. We have an apartment. Even if you're sleeping in your car, you have a car. Even if you're in a homeless shelter, you have a roof over your head. Even if you're homeless, you stay outside for a few hours. Not to be offensive, you'll get some money if you... We have a lot more than the third world countries do, but we need to come as if we have absolutely nothing. Spiritually speaking, we need to, even if, hey, I'm having a great week spiritually. Hey, I haven't slipped up in pornography. I haven't gone to the casino. I haven't taken a beer. I haven't, whatever it is you're trying to stop doing. I haven't talked to that girl I know I shouldn't be or that guy I shouldn't be. But even if you're going good, we need to be of of the thought and lifestyle that says, I'm still nothing. I'm a wretched soul. I'm poor and I need you, Jesus. I, that's what it means to be poor in spirit when we know when we recognize we don't have it all together, mm. and we recognize that we have nothing. Right here, poverty of spirit cannot be artificially induced by self-hatred. The Holy Spirit and our response to His working and our hearts bring it about. It's the Holy Spirit, it's God, that has to help us recognize that we are poor in spirit, that we have nothing. How many people do you hear in their testimonies that they hit rock bottom? I just realized, like, I had nothing. I was empty inside. And that's when they realized their need for a savior and whether it be then and there or they went to church or eventually they found out that they came to God at some point and but at that moment they realized they had nothing and they needed to become poor in spirit because everything they thought they had was meaningless to them this last one uh this beatitude is first because this is where we start with God I love that we have to start with the poor in spirit if you come to God like hey God I'm going to come I want you to accept me I want you to I want to accept you in my heart but I have these things, or I don't really need to do that part of the Bible. I don't really need to do this, you know, or this and that. I, I'm not too far off. I'm not that bad. No, we need to come like we're wretched people. We need to come like those who are spending a lifetime in prison. We need to come like those who should probably get 10 million death sentences and, and, and should be on death row. We need to come as like as those who deserve death right here, right now. I like this. I like this um, paraphrase. Or a uh, quote, a ladder, if it is to be of any use, must have its first step near the ground, or feeble climbers will never be able to mount it. 
it would have been a grievous discouragement to struggling faith that the first blessing had been given to the pure in heart. To that excellence, the young beginner makes no claim, while to poverty of spirit he can teach without going beyond his line. Mm. And I like how, how it says that it would have been a grievous discouragement to, struggling, to someone struggling in the faith if the first blessing had been given only to the pure in heart. Like, oh, so the first step is be poor in spirit, but that's only to those who are pure. No, to recognize you're poor in spirit means you have a wretched heart. To means you're far away from it. Everyone can start here. No matter where you're at, people think, I need to get clean first before I come to God. I need to take care of some stuff first. No, just come as you are because he wants you to learn to be poor in spirit. Everyone can start here. It isn't first blessed or the pure or the holy or the spiritual or the wonderful. Everyone can be poor in spirit. Not what I have, but what I have not is the first point of contact between my soul and God. Mm. I got a lot to say. <laughs> I've been spending that whole time trying to not forget what I was. Okay, was well, say. Um, while he speaks, I'm going to give an advertisement. I'm eating horrible, happy cherries. They used to be called twin cherries. The cherry part is cherry flavor. The stem of the cherry is apple flavor. And that um, makes no sense. But it does. The stem of the cherry is green. It's an apple flavor. The, the, the red part is the cherry flavor. Even it says, kids and grown-ups love it so. Apparently. I was a kid and I ate these. I saw them at CVS. It's been years. And now I'm eating them again. So hold so up. Shekinah, see me. This is the greatest candy that your generation will never know. Dang. All right. Thoughts, Noah. Not on my twin cherries. but I got side. nothing on the cherries. Um, yeah, so oh, we don't need that. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, Mark. <laughs> um, yeah, so the first thing I wanted to say is that, you know, this is the first sermon, right? This is the first time that, I mean, obviously Jesus kind of talked with his disciples, but this is the first time that he's really sitting down with the crowd, giving a pre-thought-out message to them, right? He took time to craft this and come up with this. He did, wasn't just wean it or, you know, saying whatever. Wean right? it. Winging it. Oh, I thought he was winging it. <laughs> he wasn't winging it. Um, and, and I find it kind of what you were saying at the end, like there's a reason that he chose to start with blessed are the poor in spirit, right? You know, and, and I mean, this is the Bible. Or this is Jesus talking. So everything he says matters. And not just what he says, but when he says it matters, right? There's a reason that the Beatitudes are before, you know, everything else in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a reason that this specifically is where he chooses to start. And I agree with you. I think it's because we have to start from a place of recognizing that, hey, we don't have much. <laughs> you know, when it comes to spiritual matters, we're pretty darn poor. And, you know, recognizing that first and foremost is the beginning point. Before we can get to mourning and being meek and, you know, being pure of heart and all those other things, it has to start from this position. So I think that there's a reason Jesus chose for this to be the first beatitude that he mentions. Um, you brought up the word makarios, the Greek word for blessed. That's right. Um, I have a, a definition here, um, a loose definition. It says, it describes a believer in enviable position from receiving God's provisions. And I like that definition because it speaks specifically to a believer that has received something from God to the point where others look and say, hey, I want that, right? That's what being blessed means, is the world looks at you and says, hey, I want what that guy has. And they only have that because of their 
position as a believer. And I think that's important to keep in the back of my mind and our minds when we're talking about this is that Jesus is speaking to the believers. And I know that's something we'll touch on later, but he is speaking to those who believe. Now, that's not to say that if you're not a believer, you skip the Beatitudes, but these blessings come from a place of belief, right? You know, the blessed and the poor in spirit is not some, you know, non-believer. They don't know their poor in spirit, right? They don't receive that blessing. And I think that's an important thing to keep in our back of our minds. And then lastly, I want to look at the word poor. Um, you kind of mentioned that the Greek word doesn't just mean a poor person. It's like the opposite of rich, like mm-hmm. below poor. Like that's the word used. And one definition I saw for the Greek word is deeply destitute, completely lacking in resources, right? Being poor spirit means you have zero resources to save yourself. You got nothing, not even a sliver of a half a chance of saving yourself, right? Yeah. Like you got absolutely nothing. And Jesus wants us to make that clear. Like, hey, you do not have anything. And that sounds like a negative, but the positive is we have everything in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right, and that's kind of the ideas, and that's the second half of that that first beatitude is, you know, those who are poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're poor in spirit, that sucks. Yeah, but you get the kingdom. That's you know what, what I mean? you need, right, to enter the kingdom, right? And, and and I think that the contrast is so huge. It's easy to look at the first half and say, man, I got nothing. I'm lacking resources. I'm poor in spirit. Yeah, I'm blessed, but what does that mean? It's like, yeah, you get the kingdom though. You know, mm-hmm. and then we can't even begin to imagine just how fantastic that is. So, uh, you know, 80, 90, 100 years of being poor in spirit for an eternity in the kingdom seems like not even a comparable exchange. Well, maybe 80, 90 <laughs> you know? for you. I'm going to live till I'm like, You're right, you're right. For you, it'd be like 120. Well, I'm going to live till like 50. I'm going okay. to be like <laughs> ride or die. You're right. Um, if it's 50 or 100, you know, it's a minor, minor drop in the barrel in comparison to what we're getting out of it. And that's kind of what I want to stress is that it's not all, oh, well, was me, I'm poor in spirit. It's thank goodness I'm poor in spirit because now I can rely on Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and get access to so much more. Well, that also comes with humbleness because you can't be right. poor in spirit if you're not humble. Um, and then when it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you kind of mentioned, but we need to be poor in spirit to inherit the kingdom of heaven, be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Right. And... Like you saw people, oh man, poor in spirit. He's like, oh man, I, I'm poor in spirit. If you're saying it like that, then you're probably really not poor in spirit. <laughs> a, a great example is the thief on the cross, right? Yeah. The, he says, like, I got nothing. I'm hanging on a cross. I physically got nothing, so I'm about to die. Spiritually, I got nothing. Yeah. Like, can I? Is there even a chance I could be with you in heaven? You well, and who's the other guy? Right. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna botch it. I know, but they had the two people in the temple. And the one guy, he puts his head down, and he beats his chest. Saying, he says something like, you know, God, I have nothing. I'm a wretched right. person. You know, like he recognized. He recognized that. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who are poor in spirit, so poor they must beg, are rewarded. They receive the kingdom of heaven. Because poverty of spirit is an absolute prerequisite. There you go. That's a big word for me. <laughs> for receiving, for see, receiving the kingdom of of heaven, we will never receive from God what we absolutely need to be saved. We will never receive if we don't become poor in spirit. And I got—I want to read this um, 
well, last thing before we go to the next one. Mm-hmm. The call to be poor in spirit is placed first for a reason. Because it puts the following commands into perspective. They cannot be fulfilled by one's own strength, but only by a beggar's reliance on God's power. No one mourns until they are poor in spirit. No one is meek towards others until he has a humble view of himself. If you don't sense your need and poverty, you will never hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if you have too high a view of yourself, you will find it difficult to be merciful to others. Mm. How can you show mercy to others? How can you be humble if you are not poor in spirit? You can't. If you are arrogant, if you're being someone who's just freaking ridiculous all the time, and you're always acting like you're better than people, there's no way you can be poor in spirit. Right. And let's take it a step further, and people are going to say this is controversial. Well, Uh-oh. I don't, I don't, I don't freaking care what what people believe about <laughs> controversial. This is a podcast that I can say whatever I want. Now I tame my tongue. I, no one knows I tame my tongue. I'm getting better. But it says, uh, "For they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven." The, the poor in spirit. So if I really wanted to, you know, go out there. If I am not poor in spirit, I don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. So does that mean I don't go to heaven? And if that means I don't go to heaven, where does that mean I go? Right. To hell. Now I know you can say, oh, that's a little iffy or this and that. Well, some of you might say that might be people who don't want to take on the high road of being humble, loving your neighbor, uh, showing meekness, which we'll get into in a little bit, and actually being merciful to others even when they don't deserve it. Right. You know, you had that, I've shared it before a bunch of times, but that guy in the Charleston AME shooting, the white guy who shot up that black church. And in the courtroom, and he's like on the video screen in like a in like a confined room with two guards. And the relatives of some of the family members who got shot at and or died, the, the relatives who went to that church said things like, we welcomed you into our church. We welcomed you into our weekly Bible study. And I just want you to know, although we will never get our certain family member back, I forgive you. That is being poor in spirit. That Mm -hmm. is being humble. That is saying, look, I have nothing. And what I did have, the little I did, you took from me, but I will still forgive you. That is being poor in spirit, recognizing that I have nothing. And any little bit that's taken away from me, it doesn't matter because I'm still going to forgive you because I'm living this life as if I have nothing and I'm living this life as if I have everything in the next. Right. So, let's do it. Um, Now, the next part, I like this subheading that I have um, when it gets to verse 4. The subheading I have is the godly reaction to poverty of spirit. So, what's the next step? See, I truly believe that God placed these in the order they're supposed to be. Right. You know, and we can say about a lot about the Bible. Legitimately, I believe God's placed these in order in the way they're supposed to be for a reason. Yeah. Next one. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. The Greek word for mourn. You have a Greek word for mourn. You have the Greek word. Um, well, you, you you go first then. Okay. Um, I don't have the the exact definition. I have like a. I don't have the word. The, I just have the definition. Okay. Maybe you have a slightly different one. The word is pentheo. How is it? What is it? Pentheo. Okay. P e n t h e o. Pentheo. Um, the proper meaning for the word is to grieve over death. Right. But the figurative meaning for the word is to grieve over a personal hope that dies. And I really like that because when we think of mourn, we often think of, oh, just, you know, somebody dies, we mourn. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, hopefully, that doesn't really apply to us, right? Once every once in a while, 
but average day to day we don't mourn right we're not constantly mourning but i think we can all relate to and probably more often than not grieving over a personal hope that dies something that we're hoping for maybe it's a job or a relationship or uh, maybe you're praying for something whatever it might be we all have these personal hopes that die that become unfulfilled and i think in that sense we can be very mournful a lot of times right mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of where Jesus is speaking to both cases. He's speaking not only physically mourning, but this more emotional mourning over a personal death. And I, I think when we look at it in that context, it opens it up a lot more to be a much more general thing. And from there he says, you'll be comforted. Simple as that. I mean, yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get that thing back, right? He doesn't say those who mourn will receive tenfold back or nothing like that, right? There's no promise that whatever has died will be brought back to life but there is a promise of comfort like my rap career yeah you're right that's done yeah yeah but you can be comforted that you know in in some capacity and i think that you know it it can be kind of tempting to feel like oh if i lose this job opportunity i'm gonna get something 10 times better not necessarily you know what i mean like we don't know what the future holds. We don't know why some things come and some things go. I don't like when people do like, oh, I lost my job. That just means God's got something even better in store for me. Right. Or it, it just means you're an idiot and you, <laughs> you messed up your job. It's possible that he has something better, but it's possible he doesn't. But I, I think what Jesus is honing on here is that when you're in these situations, it's not that you're going to get something back, but you will be comforted. There is comfort in that morning. Whatever we are mourning over there is comfort. And I think that that's such a, a huge promise. And maybe I'll look up what that Greek word comfort is. Because I looked it up and then I didn't write it down, but I think I might go back. So, Yeah. Well, then, like, uh, the the one definition, it was pretty similar. The Greek word for to mourn, you here, it's the strongest word for mourning in the Greek language. Mm. It is the word which is used for mourning for the dead, for the passionate lament for one who is loved. Um. But see, I, I like this. Um, um, those who mourn actually mourn over sin and its effects. That's what this type of mourning is talking about here. Is This mourning is the godly sorrow that produces repentance to salvation. That Paul described in 2 Corinthians 7.10. So when it says, blessed are those who mourn. When it, when it, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's talking about when we mess up in sin, when we right. do something stupid, when we make a mistake. Um, we're mourning. God loves it when we mourn and we're hurting in the sense that, man, I messed up. Because just like Second Corinthians 7.10, this is the godly sorrow that produces repentance to salvation. This is what brings us back to God. If we're not mourning over the evil things we've done, if we're not mourning over the stupid, idiotic things we've done, then we're not showing remorse. We're not showing much guilt. We're not showing this effort to say, hey, I need to change because I've effed up my life and I've messed it up and this is bad. No, like if you are not mourning over what you have done, then you can't be a part of the phrase that said, blessed are those who mourn. And if you're not mourning over the sin of what you've done, then are you really poor in spirit? Going back to that first one. Are you really poor in spirit? Are you really humble? Are you really... You know, realizing you have nothing because when you mess up, that should be an indicator that we are nowhere near where we should be as people. And we need that continual 24-7 reliance on God 
Right. And if we're not mourning over our mess-ups, then we're not truly repenting. And true, true repentance brings us back to that salvation. Mm. And then it says, For they shall be comforted. Those who mourn over their sin and their sinful condition are promised comfort. God allows this grief into our lives as a path, not as a destination. When you mourn, when you grieve over the things you've done, that's just for a time. It's not the rest of your life. You get back up. You have accountability team. Um, you, you have a mentor or in some groups like AA, they have sponsors. You have a pastor. You have leadership. You have people you look to for questions, answers, different things. And you go through this life like that. And it's not the end. It's not the destination. It's a path we follow that will help us get through that morning, knowing that and there could be another season of heavy mourning over mistakes we've made. But God will get us through it and He will comfort us through it. I tell you, sometimes I feel the most comfort when I confess my sin to some people and then they just say, hey man, thanks for sharing with me. I, I love it and I, I, I don't like it, but I love it. At the same time, when people come to me and say, hey man, I messed up in this area. Do you know why? I, I hate it in the sense that, man, I wish they wouldn't have messed up, right? No one would want that. But I love that they were willing to come and be open because it's so hard for people to do that. And if you come to the right person, if you come to a good Christian, a brother or sister or someone in the church, that can that can they will love you for it and they'll be happy you came to them right. for that. You know, and that's that's where for me I get this big comfort when I share and then hey man, we're glad you shared with us. Here's this scripture. Here, man, we're praying for you. Thanks for sharing. We love you if you need it. And I just feel this overwhelming sense of once they text back, I'm like, man, I feel this great comfort there. Right. You know, um, those who mourn can know something special of God. The fellowship of his sufferings, Philippians 3.10. A closeness to the man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53.3. When we mess up and we mourn, it only brings us closer to God because we recognize our sin and we're willing to repent of it. We're mourning over it. When we lived in the world, even if we claimed to be a Christian, when we lived in the world, we didn't care what we did. Right. We really <laughs> didn't care. You could be in church every week. I was, and I didn't care about what I did after church, before church, things like that. You know, the sex, the pornography, the gambling, all these different things. I didn't care. But guess what? Now there's a mourning in me. There's a, there's a, there's a feeling that says, man, I messed up this time. I freaking messed up this time so bad, and I, I feel it, and I know it, and, and I confess to God, I confess it to somebody I know, and, and um, for the most part, and God does something in me, mm-hmm. and you cannot, you cannot be poor in spirit unless you mourn, You're in, in the spiritual sense of what we're talking about, and you cannot be spiritually mourning, you can't be a part of the blessed are those who mourn. If you are not a part of the blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You need, but all the ones we're going to go through, you need all of them. Because it's hard to be one without the other. You right. you really, all these characteristics are, they're different characteristics, but they make up one body. And you you can't live this life without certain body parts. You need all of these ones. Right. No, that's good. Yeah. I got nothing to add to that. All right. <laughs> so we're going to go with one more for this episode. Um, blessed are the neat. No. The neat. Blessed are the meek. Oh, there you go. Yeah. The meek. Not neat like be clean, you know. Right. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Mm. Um, you got the Greek word for this? You want me to go do. for it? All right, go for it. So I was looking up the Greek word, 
And I'm still eating my happy cherries, by the way. Good. Twin cherries. Good, Kinda good, good. look look them up at CVS next time at the store. Tell your dad to buy them. They're the best. Good. Any um, kids out there, buy them. They're the best. And this is adults what, buy them. They're the best. Okay. Should I keep interrupting? Yes, please. Uh, all right, good. But seriously, they're good though. Uh, this is what I read for the definition. The word is praos, P-R-A-U-S. I got that too. Okay, good. Yay. Um, and I I was looking up the definition, and this is what I read. This difficult to translate root P-R-A means more than meek. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control. Um, I feel like we've probably all heard this before, that meekness is not the same as being weak. It's strength mm-hmm. under control. No. Yeah, I feel like that's, if you've been in church for more than a couple of years, you've probably heard that definition at some point. Um, Unless your pastor's like Stephen Furtick or Joel Osteen. Right, or your messages are five minutes long, then you're probably not going to hear it. Yeah. But... It's true. Meekness, you know, we don't really have that in our definition of meekness in English, right? We kind of lose this idea of, you know, being strong but being reserved, right? And and I, I think that's such a a huge, huge thing to have, you know. Um, and it's not just physical strength, obviously, because I mean, look at us, Mark. We're not. Beacons of, we're not beacons of physical strength. You know how much protein are in these happy cherries? I'm going to say less than two. Two grams of protein. <laughs> See me. There you go. Uh, but we're not like, you know, this word meat doesn't mean physically strong. Yeah, or else you would be screwed. Um, I'm a scrapper, but you'd be screwed. But it, it, it's, it's referring to saying like, you know, I don't know how to put it in words, but... You know, I don't know. I don't know how to how to put it in words. The, the, a good example, though, would be like, you know, Captain America, right? For anybody out here who watches comic book movies, right? He's super strong, but he can still, you know, hold somebody's hand without breaking their hand. Who's Captain right? America? Eh, look him up. Okay. <laughs> um, right, or like Superman, maybe more well-known for some people, right? Yeah. Strongest guy on Earth, but he can still pick somebody up or... You know, yeah, he doesn't drink, break drink you on couple, accident. Yeah, drink a cup of water, right? That's meekness. You know, it's having that strength, but being able to control. Well, the one I have is, like you said, it's impossible to translate. Yeah, it's in, a tough into, word. With just one English word, it has the idea of the proper balance between anger and indifference, of a powerful personality properly controlled, and of humility. In the vocabulary of the ancient Greek language, the meek person was not passive or easily pushed around. The main idea behind the word meek was strength under control. There you go. <laughs> like a strong stallion that was trained to do the job instead of running wild. Right. In general, the Greeks considered meekness a vice because they failed to distinguish it from servility. To be meek towards others implies freedom from malice and a vengeful spirit. Mm. The meek who can be angry but restrain their wrath and obedience to the will of God and will not be angry unless they can be angry and not sin nor will be easily provoked by others. You know, the men who suffer wrong without bitterness or desire for revenge. That, to me, is a good one of me. Right. Um, right here. I like this, talking about all three Beatitudes so far. The first two Beatitudes are mostly inward. The third deals with how one relates to one's fellow man on the outward. The first two were mainly negative. The third is clearly positive. To be meek means to show willingness to submit and work under proper authority. Um, It also shows a willingness to disregard one's own rights and privileges. 
It is one thing for me to admit, to admit my own spiritual bankruptcy. But what if someone else does it for me? Do I react meekly? This blessed one is meek. They are meek before God in that they submit to his will and conform, conform to his word. They are meek before men in that they are strong, yet also humble, gentle, patient, long-suffering. How can, you, how can we be meek if we are not poor in spirit? We need to be humble, right? right. How, can we, how can we be um, meek if we don't mourn? If we're not willing to say, hey, wow, I've messed up. Hey, you know, look what I look what I've done. If we are not long suffering, to be meek, we need to be humble. We need to be long suffering. When people do us wrong, we need to show mercy, you know, and, and we need to love on them. How can we be poor? How can we be um, meek if we're not poor in spirit? How can we be meek if we are not of the of the idea of uh, blessed are those who mourn? We cannot be. Blessed are the meek. We cannot be that meek, which Jesus is talking about, if we are not these first two things. Right. People want to pick and choose their scripture of what they want to talk about, what they want to live by. But when you get to the Beatitudes, these are the characteristics and traits we need to be living by, to adhering to. And you can't have some. And you say, well, I'm good at this one, that one. I'm not good at that one. Well, then are you really any of them? Right. Do you really have all of them? Um that 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 that's what I would say. It says, "For they shall inherit the earth." Again, you know, we can only be we can we can only be meek, willing to control desire for our rights and privileges, because we are confident God watches out for us, that He will protect our cause. The promise they shall inherit the earth proves that God will not allow His meek ones to end up on the short end of the deal. Right. And see, nowadays, if someone was meek, people like you said would call it weak, whatever. I'm not here to prove anything on this earth. I'm not here to get the upper hand on this earth. I'm here to gain in the next life. Right. I'm not here to gain in this life, although that would be nice. Um, GSAT, GSAT, my stock, please go back up. I should have sold a few days ago, and I shouldn't have told Danielle to buy as late as she did. I'm sorry, <laughs> but let's go back up. I'm only up 300 bucks, and I was up like 2000 at one point. Dang. But we don't do it for this life. You know, who cares if I strike it big? Who cares if this next rumor of GSAT working with NASA or someone who um, gave them 70 million freaking dollars, you know, in two payments, you know, whoever that secret buyer is, when we find out and I make it rich and I can quit my job and Danielle can quit her job, you know, like, like, it's not about that. What we gain in this life doesn't matter because who cares if we get the upper hand? Who cares if we win some stupid argument? Who cares if we're a jerk and a douchebag and we have nice things and a hot husband or a wife or whatever? Who cares? Because we need to be poor in spirit. We need to mourn over our sin. Blessed are those who mourn. And we need blessed are the meek. And even if being meek in the world's eyes means weakness, means not having much, it means you know, lay, you know, stepping aside instead of getting into an argument or fighting someone, we will inherit what God's going to give us in the next life. Mm. And that that's my, the last thing I want to say is, through the first three Beatitudes, we notice that the natural man finds no happiness or blessedness in spiritual poverty, mourning, or meekness. These are only a blessing for the spiritual man, those who are new creatures in Jesus. The world doesn't find a blessing in being poor in spirit. One, in their twisted view of what they think that means. And even those who study the Bible but aren't Christian don't want to believe, you know, why would I want to be poor in spirit? 
And to those who mourn, mourn over their sin. The world, that's not for the world because the world doesn't mourn over their sin because because they don't believe in God. What are they mourning over? God, I'm sorry. Well, if I don't believe in God, it doesn't matter. And then blessed are the meek. People think that's weakness. People think that's that's stupid. That's idiotic. And yet, that's not for the world. It's for the spiritual man. And everyone can come to God. Not to say I'm super religious, but you become a spiritual being, a spiritual person when you come to God and he shows you his ways. And you can only have this blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. You can only have the blessed are those who mourn. You can only have the blessed are the meek. You can only have those things and what they mean when you be, when you come to God. And you, you, you turn away as best you can from your sinful ways. Um, you come to God and use him to help you turn away from your sinful ways so you can have these characteristics in your life. Mm. That's my final thoughts. Uh, I got two closing thoughts. Hey. Um, the first is, you know, kind of just what you just said about Jesus speaking to the spiritual man. I, I find it interesting. The thought came to my mind that, like I said earlier, this is a sermon, right? And I find it interesting that in this moment, Jesus is choosing to speak to believers, right? Even though most of the people listening probably were not believers at that point in time. This was a message crafted for those who were believers, right? Like you said, this would mean nothing to a natural person, somebody who was not a believer. Um, and I just find it interesting that, you know, how different Jesus speaks if he was speaking to, say, the Pharisees or to non-believers, you know, where he maybe would use more uh, parables and more stories to try and create similes for them to grab, grab onto, whereas here he's kind of a little bit more direct in what he's saying and my point to say is that you know as a side note it's important to kind of gauge who you're talking to when you're speaking about you know spiritual matters right maybe you're sharing your testimony or whatever you know it's good to know that you might have to change how you're saying something based on who you're talking to right you know the funny example of greg smith anybody knows you know one time asking somebody if they have any questions about the Sacrificial oh, law system when you're yeah. when evangelizing. He was, when, he, when we go out and evangelize, <laughs> and this is tall, goofy white guy, and I, I don't, I'm weird too, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a compliment to him. And he, we'd ask, we talk to people about Jesus on the streets, and just share with them our, our story and do what you're supposed to do, evangelize. Though the system might not be perfect, how we do it, we're human. Well, he would ask them at the end whether they talked or not. Just be like, hey, well, do you have any questions? Usually you'd be like, do you have any questions about God? Or We just right. have to answer them. <laughs> Anything, even if it's you, you just don't like Jesus for whatever reason, we'd love to hear it. Well, one time he said, I don't know if you have any questions about about God, Jesus, or the Old Testament sacrificial system. It's like, <laughs> I, we walked away later. I'm like, Greg, no, there are plenty of believers that don't care to know about the Old right. Testament sacrificial system. Let alone random guy in the street. <laughs> that just thinks we're a part of a cult now. But yeah, and, and my my point to say is that, you know, just it's important to know who you're speaking to. And Jesus knew in this moment, not just now, but 2,000 years later, two random guys are going to be doing a podcast talking about this sermon. One random guy. I'm, I'm pretty known. That's true. Um, and, 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 you know... He knew who the audience was and who he was speaking to, and he didn't add anything really here for the non-believer, right? This is for those who are, or at least starting their faith journey to some degree, right? Whether you're down the road or not. So point to say, you know, be mindful of who you're talking to because you might need to, you know, 
tailor your message to the environment that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, my second point, you talked about how these all kind of stack on each other, right? They build on each other. Like Pringles. Like Pringles, yeah. You need you need the porn spirit before you can get to the morning. You need the morning before you can get to the meekness and so on and so forth. Um, and it reminds me because right now I'm, I'm going through dog training. I'm learning how to train dogs and it's going good. And one of the things they teach is that you know, when it comes to dogs, if I'm trying to teach a dog to sit, for example, right, and it's just not listening to me, they tell you you have to go back to the basics, right? You got to go backwards, start over again from the fundamentals and build your way back up again to wherever it is you're trying to get to. And I was thinking about that when you're talking. It's like if we're having a hard time being meek, right, and we're just, you know, we don't take correction well, we don't take other people, you know, telling us things we're not very humble maybe we need to go back to the basics right Mm, go back mm. to step one and say okay am i being poor in spirit that's good am i mourning okay now that's good i like it (laughs) and and i think that you know we're only talking about the first three but i think really all the beatitudes can kind of build on it even what comes afterwards talking about being the salt of the earth and some of the stuff that comes later on in in the sermon on the mount we got a lot planned for you guys yeah we'll probably continue this series but um I think that even all that stuff builds on each other. And if you're having a problem with one, that's okay. Go back to the basics, right? Take it a step back and say, okay, am I doing step one? Am I doing step two? Am I doing step three? And then, you know, I would have to assume that that's what Jesus had in mind when he gave it in this manner was, hey, start here, right? Make sure that you recognize your spiritual state, right? Because if you don't recognize that you're poor in spirit, then of course you're not going to be meek. You know, of course, you're not going to mourn if you're not first at that point. So what I would say is, you know, whether you're a brand new believer or you're 80 years down in the faith, you know, it's okay to say, you know what, I need to go back to the basics. I need to take it a step back, go to the first beatitude and build my way back up through them, right? It's okay to do that. It's okay to go back to the basics because, you know, we mess up, we, life happens, things happen, you know, we lose the way a little bit. It's okay to take a step back, go to the fundamentals, and build your way back up again. Um, so that's my closing thought. Amen. Good. Everybody, just broken us to faith podcast, brought to you by Noah and Marky. That's right. And, and these happy and, cherries. Yeah. That not a sponsor, you know, but they make this episode size. happen. They're actually not two grams of protein. I got a correction because there's four Uh-oh. and a half servings per container. Oh, so, so you're talking you, about nine? Nine. Nine or ten. But it's also 28% um, sugar Ooh. per serving, so times so four and a half. You're probably maxed out on sugar for the day once you finish this. Um, I'm probably not going to finish it for that sake. Oh. But, yeah, <laughs> we're not sponsored by them, but we should. It doesn't say who the owner is. If you're listening, Hasbro. Uh, Harbro. Oh, I thought, oh, Hasbro's the toy company. <laughs> Goodness. All right, that's the bro. Get I'm out of sorry, here. I'm done. That's, I'm out. It's the Brokenness to Faith podcast. This is Mark. This is Noah. This is your Happy Cherries. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, we're going to be doing some more episodes soon. Every two weeks we come out with some. Probably going to be in Matthew 5 for a bit. We'll see what happens. Share it with your friends. Share it with people you know. Hopefully this is an encouragement to them. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Deuces. Deuces.